When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to episode 112 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you're watching live on Facebook, watching archived on YouTube, listening on SoundCloud or Apple Podcast, wherever and however you consume the Tech Sideline podcast, we are so glad that you could join us today on Monday morning, January 27th. We've got a lot to discuss today here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll be talking about the transfer portal, some news in the last week with five Virginia Tech players entering their names into the transfer portal. We'll talk a little bit about the decision of Damon Hazleton to move on from Virginia Tech to Missouri. Plus, we'll talk a little bit about Virginia Tech hoops. Last week started on a high, the double overtime win against North Carolina, but Saturday the Hokies fall in Chestnut Hill to Boston College. What does that all mean for Virginia Tech's NCAA tournament chances? We'll talk to Will and Chris about that. And towards the end of the podcast we invite you now to drop your questions below on facebook live our best producer in the land malcolm stewart will take them down and get to those towards the end of the show again malcolm's behind the scenes on the podcast that we've got our managing editor at tech sideline chris coleman our founder and general manager will stewart and i'm your podcast host evan hughes again we're happy to have you with us here on the tech sideline podcast on monday january 27th Episode number 112. 112. I, I meant to say last episode was the vertical episode, 111. <laughs> it's a good way to think about it. A thousand episodes from now, we'll have another vertical episode. I can't <laughs> wait for 222. Yeah. That is 500 weeks. That's like nine years. <laughs> we'll get there. Maybe we'll be going to three or four shows a week by, you know, a couple of weeks, and then we'll get there sooner than later. Reminder that the Fisher Law Firm is Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their office in Blacksburg, they are able to serve the entire Commonwealth of Virginia. Whether you are charged with driving under the influence or speeding, the Fisher Law Firm realizes that each case is important to the client. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with a moving violation. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. The number again, 1-800-680-7031. You can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Again, that's the Fisher Law Firm, proud sponsor of the Tech Sideline podcast. All right, guys, good morning. January 27th, uh, let's think about this. It's uh, almost February. It is still really cold outside, and we are in the midst of uh, a busy time here at Tech It's Online. actually not really cold outside. It's supposed to be in the 40s all through, like, February 10th. That's oh. still pretty cold, though, right? Yeah. Not for here. This it, time it's okay, no, okay, it's no, going to no, be you, in the you 50s. I, I need fortunate. 60s, guys. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't no, you're right. It could be that. a lot worse. Yeah, oh, yeah. A lot worse. Yep. It's been and easy. knock on wood, uh, no snow yet in Blacksburg. That's right. Well, we got six more weeks. Uh, I'm sure it'll find a way to fit itself in there. And somewhere. I'm sure somehow it'll start snowing in like mid-March when we're all like we'll have a little yeah. bit of spring and then the snow will come randomly. It'd be and good for a March blizzard. Yeah. yeah. So let me mention we also have young uh, Nick Brown observing again today, taking it all in, honing his craft. The first part is to just watch and learn. Yeah. He's wearing his capital sweatshirt today. Not a bad choice. Hey, Stanley Cup champions just a couple of years ago. Great to have Nick with us. Uh, as we said, a lot to get to today. We're going to be talking a lot about Virginia Tech football. The transfer portal will crunch some 
excellent numbers. I think it's going to lead to a really great discussion about the transfer portal as a whole in college football and really look forward to getting that conversation. But uh, we are going to um, open up the podcast today with some tra- tragic news and news that is really t- um taken over the world of sports and, and really the world as a whole and that is that icon and former NBA player Kobe Bryant uh, tragically passed away on Sunday uh, as well as his 13 year old daughter there were nine passengers on board of a helicopter and just felt like this was too big of news not to, to open up with because of what Kobe Bryant leaves behind in, in the world of sports really and um, he meant a lot to you know a younger generation and that was talked about on Tech Talk Live last night with with laser talking to Isaiah Wilkins and Mike Young and you know in a lot of ways the the, the kids in college right now the younger generation you know, they didn't grow up with Jordan they grew up with with Kobe and idolizing Kobe and I think you see that a little bit in the NBA today so um, Will, I just wanted to start with you just about, not just about the basketball, but just this, this unthinkable tragedy and for the, the, just how devastating that this is for a family to have lost a father and a daughter and uh, just uh, for all the families affected, it, it truly a travesty yesterday. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know what to say about that. You know, I mean, um, being, being the father of three kids, you know, uh, I mean, Kobe was 41. That's too young. It was funny. I saw somebody on the television say yesterday, you know, 41 is, is, uh, I don't know if they use the word old. It's old for an athlete, but for a person, it's young. It's way young, you know, and he was getting ready to start the second phase of his career, which was, you know, off the court. Uh, but the thought of one of his kids being with him, you know, I mean, uh, I, I haven't thought this through and I don't quite know how to put it, but as a father, as a parent, really, um, your mindset is uh, me, not the kids. And so that's, um, that's one of the worst parts of it. You know, everybody, everybody hates to lose Kobe, but, you know, his daughter was 13. You know, she wasn't even really started yet on life. Um, and I don't. I don't want to imagine what it's like to go down in a helicopter. You know, I just, uh, you know, it's just, it's bad all the way around. Um, for me personally, uh, you know, I watched the NBA in uh, um, 70s and early to late 80s. So Kobe came along at a time when I wasn't paying any attention to the NBA. But yeah, I know who he is. I know what he's done. Uh, one of the leading scorers in NBA history, right? So. LeBron actually passed Kobe on Saturday night for the uh, third all-time leading score in right. NBA history, and that was the last tweet that Kobe's Kobe put out. Kobe's last tweet is congratulating LeBron. Yeah, and he did it in Philly, which is where Kobe grew up. Yeah. So my wife sat and watched all the coverage yesterday, and she said that uh, she said I don't know anything about him, but he seems like he was a really good guy and a good father. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really shown, you know, so his, his daughter, uh, Gigi, as they called her, you know, was really turning into, well, I mean, a really special basketball player. And you could tell that Kobe was enjoying that second part of his life where he was a father on the floor and teaching his kids about the game. And uh, Chris, just your thoughts about this tragic day and what Kobe Bryant leaves behind. Yeah, I remember when he was drafted and uh, – Moses Malone was a guy back in the day who went straight from high school to the NBA. Right? Yeah, did Moses did. College, yeah, but he, was, he was pretty much the only one. <clears> he was pretty then. much the only one until Kobe did it. And I remember there were two guys in that draft class. It was Kobe and Jermaine O'Neal who went straight from high school to the NBA. Uh, Jermaine O'Neal had a good career, but you know Kobe obviously had an elite career. And Kobe wasn't taken number one overall. He was taken 12th, 15th, something like that, uh, I, I believe. Um, oh, 6th. 14th, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
can't uh, can't read. Great find there from yeah, Nick. Good call. Um, and I don't know if that was because they didn't really view him as an elite prospect, or if it was because they were just scared to take just a high the risk, school guy yeah. at that point. Um, obviously, they have not been scared to take high school guys since then, and I think he's obviously one of the guys that that paved that path. Um, I, I think. If you want to compare it to anything, in some ways it compares to the Del Earnhardt's death, uh, which was huge for NASCAR. But at the same time, NASCAR is a very regionalized sport in southeastern United States. I don't think your average American grasps how global the basketball game has gotten. I was reading something yesterday about how the Philippines would basically shut down whenever Kobe Bryant was in town. He's that big a deal in the Philippines. Um basketball is more like soccer in so much as it's globalization so i mean this is a big deal you know not just in the united states but but across the world it's affected a lot of people everywhere yeah so something i didn't know i was a sixers fan back in the 70s and 80s and uh, uh i follow julius irving on twitter he doesn't uh dr j doesn't tweet much but he tweeted something like so sad for the loss of my teammates son and granddaughter and I didn't know that Kobe's dad was Joe Bryant, who played for the Sixers in the late 70s for about three or four years when Julius was there. And, and, and uh, I thought that I would remember everything from my sporting youth, but no, I don't remember Joe Bryant at all. He was a backup post player. You know, he'd, he'd I don't know, average five to seven points a game or something like that. And I thought, wow, I, I, did, I don't remember him being on the Sixers, and I did not know that Kobe's dad played for the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. And- I think kind of a way to wrap this up. It's always fun kind of growing up thinking about, oh, who's your top five NBA players of all time? Always kind of like a fun discussion growing up. Yeah. I think I think Kobe Bryant is for sure in that in that top five NBA players of all time. He'd so certainly fun. be in the discussion. Yeah. Uh, I do remember his 81-point game against the, the Raptors, I believe. Yep. Man, it's insane, 81 points in one game. Yeah. It's crazy. I, I, I wrap it up with this. I think the uh, – I, I don't know if you guys saw I just want to close with this. Is, um, there was a lot of raw reaction yesterday, obviously, on, on, um, on social media and, and television. And the one that really stuck with me, and I woke up this morning knowing that I was going to open up with this, was Jay Williams, who was on, I mean, very soon after the news. And he was really overcome with emotion and hit home. And, and this is just a um, – a really unfortunate reminder of just how precious life is and how it can be taken in a second and that no grudge is is bigger than than life itself so text your loved ones hug your loved ones it's an unfortunate reminder of that just how lucky we are just to sit here today and do the tech sideline podcast so um sad news to open up the show but i appreciate both of y'all's insight and uh with that let's kind of uh, transition now into virginia tech football again will has done some incredible uh, reporting here two pages on the transfer portal across the landscape of college football over the last two years we will get to that in a little bit and spend the majority of the podcast today talking about that but let's begin with the news about the transfer portal and virginia tech uh, within the last podcast that we did on wednesday five virginia tech players have announced their name into the transfer portal that's wide receivers hezekiah grimsley phil patterson jacoby pinckney safety khalil ladler and running back caleb stewart this goes along with the news of deshaun mcleese entering his name in the nfl draft Dalton Keene entering his name to the NFL draft, and Damon Hazleton, who we talked about last week, announcing over the weekend that he is transferring to Missouri. Chris, when you heard about those five players in the transfer portal, what came to mind first, and 
were you surprised to see five more players put their name in the no, pool? No, I was pretty much expecting all of those guys. Uh, I thought Jacoby Pinkney would, would hold out for a little while, but we heard his career wasn't going particularly well. Yeah. Um, so, I, so, no, uh, I was expecting it. In fact, I think Will said on last Monday's podcast, he said the semester starts tomorrow, which means school's going to start and then these guys are going to enter their name in the portal. You know, they'll have their – so they keep their scholarships for the second semester, of course, while sure. they look for a new school. Yeah, and I actually said five players. Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah, we, yeah, you did yeah. say – we, yeah. we knew So, so we, we, knew who, we knew it was coming. Um, so, yeah, uh, not a surprise for me. Um, I, I wish they hadn't announced a different time other than, you know, 15 minutes before a basketball game or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it was not a surprise. Um, so – when it happened, I, I didn't form any new thoughts that I, I sure. didn't already have. Well, you know, I think one of the names in um, in those five that was surprising to a lot of people on social media and the message boards, and that was wide receiver Jacoby Pinckney, uh, who had had a big recruitment. It was pretty well documented. He was a it was one of the um, he's a four star guy, right, Chris? It was borderline, depending on who you ask. Right. His offer list was really really good. Like his final three was Virginia Tech, Alabama, and Georgia. Uh, you don't you never know what offers are committable these days and what aren't. Yeah. I thought he was a really, really good prospect. I still think he's a really, really good prospect physically. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't think – well, you know, the, the insiders are saying that he showed up on campus and just did not quite understood what it took at the college level as far as work ethic goes. Like in high school, you're, you're so much better than everybody else on the field physically. And in college, you're not – unless you're some sort of a super freak athlete yeah. you really have to work at it from a technique standpoint and strength conditioning and, and some guys they don't get that early in their career and they get left behind as a result and that that's what happened to him apparently and, and you, you see this in athletics making the jump from one level to another and, and not to embarrass my son but when when he was a kid and the coaches were doing the pitch and he was a pretty good baseball player and then when the kids started pitching he hit the wall um, just not Malcolm. I can't oh, believe yeah. that. No. <laughs> Malcolm couldn't hit a curveball. Malcolm, jump in here, man. Come on. <laughs> Give us the rundown. No, it, it wasn't that I couldn't hit. It was that I watched a classmate of mine get his ribs cracked by a pitch, and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> and so, you know, that that's just an example. Sure. Every, every level sloughs off some of the guys that uh, just – just make the can't make the transition to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple other names in there, uh, you know, Hezekiah Grimsley had a couple of really great moments uh, for Virginia Tech. You think about Khalil Ladler and the legacy he'll leave behind is one of the heroes in the North Carolina game this year and the six overtimes. No doubt. Uh, and he was someone who was a starter in 2018, got replaced in 2019, but served a a big purpose on this team as a as a valuable backup player who could get on the field and like he showed against North Carolina make plays when needed to yeah he was important in that game uh <laughs> hope we don't need him in a game next year because he's not gonna be here so right? here's another play you probably don't remember down at North Carolina in 2018 uh, uh I don't remember that running back for them but uh he got behind the defense and down the sideline and Khalil Ladler ran him down no. and, and tackled him at about the 10 or 20 yard line yeah. you know it uh it wasn't the Reggie Floyd against Pitt tackle, game-saving tackle. I don't remember what happened. But after it was that, an important, important play for sure. Yeah, yeah, and then I remember he was on the field in a reserve role for the uh, 
final play against Pitt, right? Uh, when when Tech had that goal line stand a couple of years Pro, ago. I think he was. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. Um, Tech had a bunch of guys hurt in the secondary towards the end of the season. Yeah. Right? Like Deion yeah. Newsom was starting. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one one again as we look at the five players, right? Receiver. Oh, oh by the way, let me jump in yeah. here and say I don't remember the exact details. I wrote up the uh, the the article about these five players transferring, and those five guys, uh, three of them, I think, uh, started a handful of games. Well, more than a handful started some games in their careers, but no, none of these guys had started in any games in 2019. Yeah, they all got and weren't projected to be starters in 2020. Yep. But they are depth guys. Some of them are depth guys that you can use. Mm-hmm. You know, one one thing I think you can look at with, again, the five players, and if you want to throw Hazleton kind of connected into the last week or so of transfer portal news, you can. So you've got Hazleton receiver, Grimsley receiver, Patterson receiver, Pinckney a receiver, uh, Keen a, a, a tight end. But I want to specifically focus in on receiver. Because over the last two years, I feel like when we talk about this Virginia Tech roster and where they're really deep and they're really – uh, recruited well and they're mm. strong. <laughs> Two position groups are linebackers and receivers, right? Mm. So, is this? Uh, I don't want to say a curse, but is this a? Um, I'm trying to think of the right wording here. Is this a, a, a? When you recruit so well at a position, but there's so many talented guys, is this the effect of? over recruiting at a position i don't think in this particular case it is because we don't have any proof that the other guys on the team are talented yet they haven't played yet right only thing we know is trey turner's a good player other than that i have no idea who's going to play outside receiver at virginia tech i know damon hazelton could have come back and been a starter um phil patterson there were always issues with phil patterson physically talented player but uh just not in there. We heard it like halfway through this past season that there was a very good chance he was going to he was going to be out, uh, like just missed, and not from like a football program decision, but from like a university decision, right? So yeah, I, I remember so, that. Yeah, I yeah. about that. There were people like he missed a couple games and then came back, and there were people surprised that he was back on the team, like very very surprised. Hmm. Um, so. There, there have been issues with him for a while. Um, Grimsley, the issue with his mom, we don't know any details there, but uh, I guess wants to get back closer to home. So We'll see where he winds up. We'll see where he winds up. I know Fuente loves Grimsley. Like, I remember last year I asked Fuente before the 2018 season, I said, who stood out to you in the strength and conditioning program in the offseason? The first name he said was Grimsley. Loves his work ethic, loves him as a person. I thought I think Fuente handled Grimsley well. Uh, I remember on Tech Talk Live this year, he got the question about Grimsley and his production, and he said, you know, in August, he he had a bad few days of practice, and you know, instead of like, you know, yelling at him like get it together, he went to him and was like, something going on behind the scenes that I need to know about. It's affecting your performance, and Grimsley finally came out and told him the issue with his mom whatever that issue was. So I, th- I think that situation was handled well by both parties. Um, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he's definitely going to go. Like, anybody in the transport portal can, can come yeah, back. Yeah, and that was actually going to lead real quick to one of my right. questions. I'm sure we'll get it on Facebook Live. Any chance any of these five return? Gr- Grimsley would be the one that would be the mo- biggest chance, I've been told. Um, we'll see. Um, I-, I think he's just trying to figure out his options and, and what he wants to do. Uh, 
I know with, with, with he's he's a versatile guy. He'll be a senior next year. He's played inside receiver. He's played outside receiver. I, I think there's playing time available, um, and I think he can – the fact that he can fit into either role. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know exactly what's going on with his mom. Um, and he's a private person. And no, by the ch- way, it's been it's been publicly acknowledged yes, that something's going on at home, just not what it is. Right, just not what it is. No, you're right, he's a private person. He has not publicly – come out and said anything and I don't blame him I probably wouldn't either but uh I'll understand whatever decision he wants to make yeah, so, yeah. and Hazleton is actually already uh, uh pledged to, or whatever you want to call it to Missouri put so, a graphic out yeah yeah um, yeah so Hazleton went in the portal before the semester started which means he, he would not be on scholarship that's my understanding correct me oh he's wrong. already graduated there's no reason for him yeah. to come back yet. yeah there's there's yeah. no reason for him to go through spring practice here and yeah. and my guess is that he'll hop down to Missouri and and get enrolled in classes and go through spring practice with them that's what I, I don't do. know when their semester started or anything like that or I think at this point everybody started. I think it's everybody started but so you, you would think a, you have a week or so you after it officially starts four sad late yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean I mean they Absolutely. get they get a ton of academic football players get a ton of academic support so whatever they need to make happen they can yeah. make happen but they, yeah they and it's not like i mean that guy's already graduated it's not like he, he needs this specific class or that specific class just get down there and roll in 12 credit hours there are open but, cl- classes you can get and yeah. just roll with it i was going to say he may have an understanding with the missouri coaching staff that he's coming in the summer but no nah, no coaching staff worth their salt is going to tell the kid to just hang out for a semester they'll say get down here and go through practice with us yeah, yeah. The terminology, it's possible for sure system. Yeah. And, and real quick thoughts on that for hazelton i mean they, of course barry odom just got let go as their coach new coaching staff coming in sec i mean is that a i don't know if without knowing the other options he had it's hard to say who's our quarterback it was kelly bryant right and he's graduated year, it's he graduated. gonna be yep um so i don't even know what their quarterback situation is so it's it's hard to know uh Missouri is not a team I pay any attention to. Yeah. yeah. And they're in the yeah. SEC East. They're not oh, they, in the West. Didn't they win that division their like their first two years in the SEC? Yeah, their first couple yeah. years they were the SEC, really good. The SEC East w- was bad and they were kind of at their peak of their program. They were a good program when they joined the SEC, but they were really really well coached. They had an exceptional coach down there in my opinion in uh, Pinkle, I believe. Gary Pinkle. Oh, Gary yeah. Pinkle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that that's just that 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 was never going to be sustained. They hired it was a, impossible to sustain. They, they that. took Virginia Tech's slot. Uh, uh, well, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they probably did, and and that's just a brutal. I mean, they get they get a, they get a lot more money now than they used to, right? Yeah. And well, how has it helped them? Yeah. It hasn't. It's just yeah. more competition. Uh, they hired Elijah. I love this name, Elijah Drinkwitz, who was the head coach at App State for one year. And then that's took a the Missouri job. That's a job. that's an interesting hire Ooh. because that that's a guy who won for one year at Appalachian, one year at Appalachian State with, with somebody, somebody else's, else's players. players, and now he takes over Missouri. That's yeah. that's that that's a he was that's the a little bit of a reach. Yeah. Now, honestly, man, these days all just about every coaching hire is kind of a crapshoot these days. Yeah. I think. So, anyways, don't need to talk about Missouri for too long, but that is where Damon Hazleton is going. Again, the five players in the portal that were announced uh, over the weekend, Grimsley, Ladler, Patterson, Stewart, and Pinckney. Yeah, well, the, the, we spent the whole season thinking Grimsley wasn't going to be back next year. I assumed he'd declare for the draft and, and, and not the transfer portal. 
I, I don't know if he's got a chance to improve his draft stock more at Missouri. Who are we talking about? Grimsley? Uh, excuse me. I, did hey, I, say Grimsley? I meant Hazleton. Hazleton. Yes, right. you said Wait, Grimsley, I, you meant Hazleton. Yeah, I spent the whole season assuming Hazleton wouldn't be back. We were under the assumption that he was going to declare for the draft. Instead, he hits the transfer portal. I don't know – without knowing Missouri's quarterback situation, I don't know if he has a chance to catch more passes there than at mm-hmm. Virginia Tech. I, I know that Virginia Tech as a team obviously benefited from Hendon Hooker becoming the starting quarterback. I think the wide receivers, especially the outside receivers, would have put up better numbers statistically with Ryan Willis at quarterback. Tech as a team and a program wouldn't have won as many games, but Damon Hazleton would have had an opportunity to catch more passes. Now, granted – if Damon Hazelton could catch the football over the middle between the twenties, then he would have caught more passes anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but uh, he would have more reception. Yeah, so it's one of those things. That this is going to be a big loss for Virginia Tech in the red zone. I don't know how much it'll of a loss it'll be between the twenties. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. All right. So let's so let's go over the list. So um, you go to the transfer portal listing on two four seven sports dot com. Yep. And for Virginia Tech, you know, we know about Hazleton and we know about these five guys. Fourteen guys are listed as being in the portal for Virginia Tech. So some of these names, you've honestly, you've probably forgotten. About, I'll bet if you asked your typical Hokie fan, they couldn't name all 14. Right. Well, no, they well, couldn't. Well, I'll, I'll, you go through them and, and we'll talk. I'll do a brief sentence on each player. Right, right. right. So in their uh, background. So uh, these five guys, uh, which were part of that announcement, so Caleb Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, running back, buried on the depth chart. Obviously, I, I, you know, Fuente, I don't think he's happy with the talent at running back, and he's got a new running backs coach now, and right. he's turning that position over. Jacoby Pinckney. We've, we already talked about him. Um, Phil Patterson. Already talked about Grimsley, him. Grimsley. Already talked about him. Uh, Ladler. Yeah. And Hazleton. So right. here are the guys that we haven't talked about lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dewan Ellis. That was oh, announced he, a long time oh, ago. Oh, he'd been in the portal since August. Right. So he, he, right. So he, he got beat out by Tavion Robinson and, and then bailed, quit. And bailed quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's – but he's technically a 2020 portal right. entry for the Hokies. All right. Right. Um, next one is uh, John Harris. Uh, remember, he started at center the second game of the season, and then at halftime was replaced yeah. by Hudson. And do you remember when and, he announced? I don't remember when he announced. Oh, uh, it was after after the regular after season. After the regular ended. season. Yeah, so he's, he stuck it out the whole season. But basically, he's third or fourth string center and had been passed by a younger player. Yeah. And you know where he ended up? It was like Mercer or somewhere like that. So. It's it's it, The logo is M-U. That was, yeah. It's Mercer. Yep. Yeah. 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 All right, uh, Joe Kane. Yeah, Joe Kane uh, transferred to an F- Elon. Elon FCS yeah. program. So, um, yeah. All right, and a couple guys that uh, you probably could have been able to name these. Robert Porsche. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, who also, I think he ended up at North Carolina A&T. If, if they, they, it looks like a little bulldog. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, They're the Aggies. So we, we've got some guys in here who, I think Charlie Wiles got the most he could get out of Robert Porsche, yeah. probably. And uh, Nathan Proctor. Uh, went Juco. Don't know where he'll end up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, again, this is how this works. Hauschen Gaines is listed on the 2020. Right. He wasn't even on the team this past year. Yeah. 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 So. And that's some tough circumstances for him. And then a couple other names that uh, are, are somewhat random. Edric Ward. Walk-on. Got I don't even know why they even put walk-ons right. on the list. And Louis Mahoda. <laughs> also a walk-on. Yeah. yeah. So is it related to Vinny? Yes, his brother. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I think he? that's all 14 guys. So when you, okay. when you, when you hear the number, ah, 14 guys, and then you start going through them, 
you know, there, there's there's four or five guys there that weren't on the team or were walk-ons or whatever. So, right. um, and we'll yeah, and, and you know, we, we don't know that – like, I don't even know why they'd list walk-ons. Like, what, yeah. Like, why? Yeah. What's I, the point? I, I don't know. Yeah. Let me guys. Let me ask you guys this though, because again, the, the the transfer portal has really changed the landscape of college athletics over the last what two years? Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Two? I mean, at the end, of, at the beginning of the Coach Fuente's tent, you just put that in perspective. This wasn't a thing, really. The right. transfer portal. So, is this something that not? I'm not going to say tech fans. I'm going to say college football fans should expect every year to have eight plus guys enter the transfer portal and, and are the days gone like after the Kentucky game when we when, when fans oh we've got 21 players coming back are the days gone where we can just say oh they're going to be seniors next year everybody's coming back is it going to be a year way, by it? year basis uh I think right now that there are no caps or restrictions on the transfer portal you can enter it at any date um like I don't know what Dewan Ellis was thinking Right, so he redshirted his first year out of high school, and then he was would have been a redshirt freshman this past year, and then he chose to enter the portal in what July? Oh no, August, August. Yeah. And so he didn't play this past year, and he's not landed anywhere, right? Has he? Or is he at Maryland? Uh, he's he's uh, a for Maryland. Of yeah. course, he went to Maryland. Uh, uh, confirmed. Who Maryland? Who was also on the list for number of portal entries yeah they have yes. quite a few all oh, right yeah so, uh, um it was announced august 21st to Juan Ellis okay. to maryland okay wow um, so that guy he's basically taking two years off of football right now so, and so, so no so he got into maryland he, he learned their system and everything like that so I, I, I guess he did it right to a certain extent but uh you know i i think this stuff of in season transfers like the stuff that happened last year when uh those two players they entered the portal before the season ended. Like, they stopped playing in the middle of the season. Was it Rico Kearney? Rick, Rico Kearney, and there was one more. He uh, just left UCF, I believe, by the did way. Did he really? Wow. I, I Let me confirm that, but I'm pretty sure he announced he is uh, leaving UCF. Okay. So, g- generally, him. guys that are right, playing for two schools in college is one thing, but guys who end up playing for, like, three different schools, yeah. um, that, that that's a them issue, that, uh, not a – not a coaching issue or a school issue or anything like that. So that's a Rico Kearney issue, if, if that's the case. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely – it's changed the game. Uh, but, but And because of the portal, we keep up with the numbers now. Like, there is a portal database. Uh, like, on 247 is a resource for us to use. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. And, and there was no, like, database for us to use earlier to compare the numbers before and after – the transfer portal was yeah. was set up and announced and everything like that. So, so a project I would like to delve into, haven't had a chance before this podcast, is to just pick a few random Virginia Tech football seasons, look at the roster, mm-hmm. and see who would be quote unquote coming back the following year. Go back and review attrition on a year, but year like by randomly year grab two, the two thousand six roster, see all the guys who were supposed to come back. And, all the guys and look at did. the 2007 right. roster and see how many of those guys just disappeared. Right. And, and yes, it, it wasn't the, well, first of all, 
2006, 2007, players weren't announcing on Twitter that they were transferring. Right, yeah. but the roster would just come out in August. You're like, you'd hey, be like, hey so, he's not so on the yeah, yeah, exactly. They'd sneak it in there but, on you. you yeah, know, and, yeah. And, and you'd wait for the first press conference with Frank Beamer, and then you'd find out. And Virginia Tech fans probably have more insight than most because they, they would let you know about some of this ahead of time on, on BeamerBall.com. Beamer exactly. Yeah, so. yeah. Yep. But I can't find it on Kearney, but I'm, I'm, I'm confident I saw that somewhere. But uh, – <sighs> Uh, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and dive into the notes that Will has put together. Right. And, Will, I'm going to kind of let you take it from here. But, again, I want to kind of show for those watching and listening. We have a, uh, what, two sheets of paper. Right. Will has gone through every Power 5 football program and has looked at portal entries in 2019, total number of portal entries in 2019 and 2020, and then how many of those were three-star or plus players coming into college? Right. So, so uh, in your three hours of research, Will, tell us, what, what surprised you when you did this research? Or did anything surprise you at all? So, so first of all, caveats and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so uh, 247sports.com has a transfer portal database. Um, it's been active two years, 2019 and 2020. Um, I went and, and so they list all of the players. So if you if you look up Virginia Tech in the transfer portal, you will see all the Virginia Tech players that are transferring out and players that are transferring in. Like the uh, database currently shows Khalil Herbert and uh, yeah. who's the other player um, that's Blackshear. coming in? Uh, Raheem Blackshear. Blackshear. Um, so as you're looking through accounting players, you got to be careful that you're counting players that are going out and not players that are coming in. You know, unless that's what you're looking to research. Uh, we just went over the list of Virginia Tech players, and it includes uh, Edric Ward, whom I've never even heard of, right. Louis Mahota, who I knew was on the team, uh, Haushan Gaines, who wasn't on the team this past year. So you quickly realize there's some slop in there. And, uh, and, and it's, it's not a Virginia Tech thing. I, trust me, I went through 65 teams. They've all got walk-ons. And I think I saw one team that had three kickers listed as transferring <laughs> out, you know. So don't you don't think everybody's out to get Virginia Tech? You know it, that slop is there for every team, and I think you can cut your way through some of the slop by um, by just looking at the guys who are three star recruits coming out of high school. That will eliminate your walk ons, mm -hmm. even some of your preferred walk ons. Like a guy might be a two star, and instead of going to a place like Elon, he might walk on at a place like Tech. As just as a random example, right. Um, what else did I want to say about that? Uh, um, it's not perfect because some schools at the bottom of the rung, like Rutgers, you go looking through Rutgers transfer list, and there's a handful of two-star guys on there, and they may have been legitimately recruited out of high school by Rutgers, uh -huh. who isn't a good recruiting team, you know. Right. And I'm, I, I thought I saw a lot of two-star guys on the list for uh, uh, Illinois as well. Now, ironically, Damon Hazelton was a two-star recruit out of high school. He sure was. So... Um, so I crunch these numbers for every school, just the raw number of guys in the transfer portal and the number of guys who were three-star recruits coming out of high school, which generally indicates that they were recruited by that school as scholarship players, all right? So um, let's cut to some of the numbers. So Malcolm on the television put up the graphic that shows ACC, Big 12, Big 10, uh, Pac-12. All right, so I don't know how well you can see that. And so for people who are just listening, this is all going to go into an article that I'll try to get written today. 
Um, I'm, I'm wrestling with, do I want to make it a subscriber article and make it a free article? I will probably make it a free article because there's so much data in here. And, oh, by the way, some of the, the caveats that I left out were the, tw the 2019 portal is complete. That, that's over. That data is over. 2020 is in process. It's not complete yet because it, it really isn't over until the 2020 football season starts. Look at Dewan Ellis. Um, right. He's in the 2020 database, and he bailed in August. Right. Um, I, I don't know what the exact cutoff date, like when will 2021 begin. Yeah. Um, I, I'm guessing when the um, season starts is 20 when 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 the 2020 portal officially shuts down. Uh, but if that was the case, then Ellis would be 2019 because he declared before the season starts. So okay, so I think it, it, it it's after the semester, spring semester. All right. Uh, so anybody up to May. But, but that's whatever. the point I wanted yeah. to make. After is spring that practice. You, you'll, you, you, see a, you see a handful of guys bail when the semester starts because they can keep their scholarships while they shop around. And you'll see some more guys bail after spring practice when they figure out, you know, uh, what their playing time is likely to be. So 2020 is still in process. So these numbers are as of January 26th. 2020 today's 27th right yeah. yes as of as of last night so um across power five in uh i'll just I, without bogging it down too much for the people that are listening i'll just go with the combined stats for 2019 yep. and 2020 so across power five each team in 2019 and 2020 combined had an average of 16.8 players enter the portal 13.5 of those were three-star recruits or above. So 16.8, 13.5 over the course of two years. Virginia Tech has 32 players in the portal in two years versus the average of 16.8. And 25 of Virginia Tech's guys were three-star plus recruits versus the average of 13.5. So double that. So almost twice as many guys for Virginia Tech. Um, so... Malcolm, let's go to the other graphic, which breaks out 2019, 2020, and combined. All right. So, uh, looks like you got some slop going on there, buddy. You got to figure out. All right. So, he's going to work on that. So, but what I did for 2019 was I went back and looked at 2019 and I listed the six schools with the most players in the transfer portal. Um, Arkansas tops the list. In 2019, Arkansas had 23 guys in the portal. 19 of them were three-star plus guys out of high school. First of all, 23 guys is like a quarter of your total roster. You know? right. So then you get down into Penn State with 21, uh, and I don't know how many of them were running backs. Ha, ha, <laughs> I, I didn't count that up. And then you have four teams tied at 18, UCLA, Louisville, Michigan, and Virginia Tech. Um, and then when you delve into three stars, it's uh, Arkansas at 19, Penn State at 18, UCLA 17, Louisville and Michigan 15, and Virginia Tech 14. Yeah, that's 2019. 2019. So basically in the 2019 portal, Virginia Tech had the sixth most number of guys. This was the Eric Kuma portal. That, yeah, that, yeah. Yes. yeah, Chris Cunningham, Eric Kuma, yeah. Rico Kearney, that, that whole deal. Um, and actually, in, t in terms of total number of guys in the portal, Tech was tied for third. So you jump to 2020, and as it stands now, uh, Stanford and Maryland have 15 players in the portal. 
with 14 and 13 of those guys being three-star plus respectively. Virginia Tech is second or third, however you want to classify it, with 14 guys in the portal. 11 of those are three-star plus. Then you got Miami with 13, Oklahoma with 12, Arkansas with 12, and Duke with 11. So that's your top seven for 2020, and you see the appearance of Arkansas and Virginia Tech in both lists. So when you go to combined 2019 and 2020 players in the portal, Arkansas tops the list with 35 guys, 30 of which were three-star recruits or better. Virginia Tech is number two with 32 portal entries, 25 of which were three-stars or better. UCLA and Maryland have 30. Michigan 29, Rutgers 28, Penn State 27, and Oklahoma 26. Oklahoma actually has a lot of guys, had a lot of guys in the portal both years. I think they had, well, 12 guys one year and 14 another. But, so to boil it down for you, and if it feels like Tech has had a lot of guys enter the transfer portal, and you're not sure because you haven't really paid attention to all of college football, your perception is correct. Arkansas is number one and Virginia Tech's number two in terms of number number of players entering the portal. I don't know how many of these guys came back. Hendon Hooker and Deshaun McLeese went into the portal and came back and contributed quite a bit. I, I didn't go that far. I don't have that kind of time. So honestly. they were actually – so McLeese and Hooker were actually listed on the database. That's right. Okay. Malik okay. McLeese and okay. Hooker are, are included in those numbers. Okay. It's everybody who entered it without any accounting for did they go somewhere else, did they come back, whatever. Um, and I, I guess the last thing for me to say is – I have no agenda here. I'm not trying to make a point or anything. I'm just putting numbers out there so people can talk intelligently about it and say, yes, these are the numbers, instead of just freaking out emotionally. Or So there's this argument that, that goes on about, uh, um, oh, we've had a lot of guys enter the portal, and somebody will answer, well, you know, it's just visible. Everybody else has too. Eh, okay, not as many as Virginia Tech. Uh, none of these guys were going to start to contribute anyway. There's no accounting for any of that here. And, and I'm sure when you start taking data in the aggregate, whatever is true for your team becomes true for other teams as well. Cool. Yes. I remember looking at one team had, I don't remember who it was, they had four players in the portal for one of the years, and three of them were no-star guys. They were walk-ons. Mm-hmm. So this is, a, this is a team that's done a very good job of hanging on to the scholarship players that they recruited. You know what's really interesting? You go back to the combined list, and in Arkansas, 35, 30 of them three-star, Tech second, 32. But you look at the, the schools, and, and I find it interesting because of the different perceptions that each of those schools have around the country, right? So we talk about Arkansas. They fired Chad Morris after, what, a season and a half, big <laughs> yeah. season, yeah. okay, in, a, in the disaster that's been going on there. You know, then you get UCLA, right? A, a, a historic program that's struggling a little bit under second-year coach Chip Kelly. You've got Rutgers in there. I don't think I feel like if you had to guess the top five, you're on Family Feud, and you had to guess the top five <laughs> Rutgers, you'd probably guess Rutgers, I right? Love it. We should have played that game. <laughs> Maryland, <laughs> Maryland would be a pretty good guess. But too. then you know, I don't think a lot of people would guess Oklahoma, Penn State. Um, Michigan, y- Michigan. Those are three so, top three top ten programs in here. Yeah. Then so you got three really good programs. Then you've got Rutgers and Maryland, who were just awful. Look, I feel I, again. And so, and then I feel got, like you would guess that if we're on Family Feud, you would probably yeah, guess one of those two schools, sure, right? And sure. that would be up on the screen, but, right? It's so there, there's no rhyme or reason to this list. So you've got Rutgers, Maryland, Arkansas, 
who which, are all, which you know. Who are all really bad. Yeah. You've got Oklahoma, Penn State, and Michigan, who are all really good. Right. Um, and then Virginia Tech in the middle. And, right, right. That is eight and five and somewhere in the middle. I mean, Michigan's um, top 15 every year. I mean, Penn right. State's top 10. Every, Oklahoma's sure. been what the college football the, playoff, playoff three of the right, last right. four right. years. And sometimes attrition is, is good. Like, like, there are some guys that Virginia Tech lost. It was like, okay, Chris Cunningham was going to be fourth string tight end yeah. this year. So he left. I don't blame him. Um, John Harris would be fourth string center next year. So he left. I don't blame him. Uh, and, and those guys just, as it turned out, they weren't good enough. Um, there are guys like that. And when you have guys that aren't good enough, honestly, it's best for both parties that they move on and they're replaced by people who have a chance to be good enough, right? Um, but at the same time, there are concerns about losing Eric Kuma. Right. Uh, there are concerns Hazleton. about ha- losing Damon Hazleton. Like, if if I if Damon Hazelton had ended up somewhere that I thought was a stable situation, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. Missouri, come on. They yeah. just got a new coach, who has been head coach for a school for one year. I don't even know who their quarterback's going to be. Um, yeah, that's uh, like the, he's wa- he's he's, he's walking <laughs> from a known situation into an unknown situation, and he's more comfortable with the unknown situation. Do you remember off your top of your head where Hazelton's from? Baltimore. So that's not it. Um, I mean, I know he went to Ball State originally. That's mm-hmm. that's at least a little closer to Missouri than right. the Virginia Tech is. But one thing I want to do too, real quick, before we wrap up, because we do have to talk about some basketball here on the Tech Sideline Podcast, presented by the Fisher Law Firm, recording on Monday, January twenty seventh. So again, I like the combined. I think that's really interesting because yeah. you know, like Louisville was high in two thousand nineteen, obviously because of a coaching change. I mean, that yeah. makes sense. And then it was a little bit down this year. So over a two-year span, again, we're just going off the numbers. Tech at 32. I want to look at the ACC real quick and just kind of uh, compare and contrast. So over a two-year span, Virginia has had 10 portal entries in two years. Uh, um, Syracuse has had six. Just six. Um, Yep. 21 total for UNC, 25 for Louisville. But, again, 18 of those were in 2008. 19. Yeah. And, the, you know, the one that surprises me, too, is how about Georgia Tech with 10 combined over two years? you think from moving from a triple option offense and how you might try and turn that roster over, only 10? Yeah, the, yeah. That, the thing about Georgia Tech is they recruited so poorly from a traditional standpoint that a lot of those guys on that team, they, they're not good enough to play anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, Hmm. I mean, think about it. Syracuse only had one guy in the portal this year, right? I would counter that the kids don't know that. They're, they're, they're that's arrogant true. enough to jump into that portal yeah. and think the yeah. suitors are going to line up. Yeah, so, uh, that, that's true. So, again, uh, the ACC, let's do, let's do this. Combined three-star players over two years of the combined. Tech is in first at 25. Tied for second would be Miami and Louisville, Louisville. with 19. Mm-hmm. And then – UNC with 18. Yep. Mm-hmm. Duke? Duke was 17. Interesting. And then, what, Florida State and NC State – excuse me. Yes, NC State and – Florida State and NC State with 14, 14 over two years. And the one with the minimum. <laughs> I With the, the, the least amount of three-star kids in the portal the last two years, I don't think anybody would get – I'm surprised. Syracuse yeah. with three. So here's – Interesting. A, it's interesting numbers. Again, now you look at the Clemson number. They, they've had 10 portal entries – in the last two years, and nine of them were three-star plus guys. Right. 
that's not very many. So for people who say uh, that, that kids transfer out because they're not going to play, um, there's a ton of talent at Clemson. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of guys who are buried on the oh, depth chart. And the thing is, they blow everybody out. They all play. I remember uh, running the running. I, um, I remember running the numbers on true freshmen this snaps. year. They get yeah, a number of snaps, yeah. and this is like middle of the season. At Clemson, had played like thirty-five or forty true freshmen, like including walk-ons, like Kirk Herbstreet's kids who were walk-ons there. They had played. So guys are getting playing so, time, so, so they're happier. So they're ha- right. I mean, they annihilate everybody they play. Yeah. So all these guys can play the second half. Plus, winning championships is fun. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, and in Alabama, by the way, has a low number of, yeah. of players. Right. You, in you the know what's fascinating, right. Will? Real quick, I know we got to move on, but look at the SEC. And actually, you'd be surprised. I, I you maybe think there's so much talent in the SEC. There's more, you know, guys transferring. I mean, look at okay, so Alabama, three star players in 2020. You've got four: Auburn, three; Florida, four; Georgia, three; Kentucky, five; LSU, five; Ole Miss, eight, with a coaching change; Mississippi State, two; Missouri, two. South Carolina seven, Tennessee eight, Texas A and M nine. I mean that's all right. The program that I feel like Virginia Tech should be modeled after is Wisconsin's. They've had nine tra- nine transfers. Tell us why you is think Wisconsin. Just- uh, Wisconsin recruits poorly. <laughs> uh, they were to, they recruit to their culture. You don't, to me, there's no difference between signing the 20th class and the 40th ranked class, right? Wisconsin, their recruiting class is ranked in the 40s every year. And yet they rank in the top ten every year because they recruit guys that are perfect fits for their culture, right? And I th- I think that's where Justin Fuente at times has has screwed up. I think coming from Memphis to Virginia Tech, you you come into it knowing that you have a better opportunity to recruit more talent, but you've got to be able to recruit players that you can coach. Yeah. And I I don't going out and getting Cam Good. I don't blame Justin Fuente for uh, whether he kicked Cam Good off the team or whether he basically just made him quit. I don't blame Justin Fuente for that situation other than the fact that he recruited Cam Good in the first place, right. a guy who was not a cultural fit. Um, Wisconsin, I, I get, they don't care about recruiting rankings. If they did – you know, I'm sure they could recruit better than the 40th ranked class. That's an 80 or 90,000 seat stadium with a lot of money and a big name. Yeah. But to them, their success is built on bringing in the right people that are good fits for their program. And well, there, there's two there's two sides of that coin. Number one, you got to identify them. Number two, you got to close on right. them. Right. You know, right. and and is Virginia Tech failing? Was Cam good here because Virginia Tech failed to close on guys that would have been? No, he was an early. Through. He was an early guy. Yeah. Uh, his film was awesome. Yeah, it, it was it was hard to turn away, man. For a big heavy dude, he was a good athlete. Yeah, he is a good athlete. Yeah, it's not like you he's know, gone. Really, anything. really great discussion, and I think we could spend like another hour talking about this. So I'll try to crunch an article later I was about and put to say, all these numbers out there, so you'll be able to see every single team. I mean, this is really great stuff here from Will. And, and speaking of uh, Will getting ready to write an article as we get ready to take our break here on Tech Sideline. Uh, worth mentioning, it's a great time to become part of the Tech Sideline family. Eighty-four ninety-nine is the annual price. Eight forty-nine the monthly price. Twenty-nine ninety-nine the student price. Some great content right now on Tech Sideline. Chris, I'll ask you midway through the podcast. We've got some great content on there right now. Yeah, we do, and uh, I'm gonna have a Brandon Patterson article later today. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff coming. 
And, uh, and I tell you what, the, the Fisher Law Firm Friday Q and A, you go really in depth with those questions. I, I can tell you enjoy writing. Oh, I too. love I love writing a Q and A. It's actually content that I don't have to come up with. It's 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 just passes it right back to our users and say basically say hey, give me ideas for articles. Yeah. So it's like oh that seems like an interesting question and you know it, those articles are gener- Friday Q and A is generally anywhere from fifteen hundred words to twenty five hundred words, occasionally up to three thousand. Right. And I generally get them written in about an hour. It just it, it's very 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 they're very quick. Interesting. Um, yeah. I I would thought it takes longer. How in depth do you go? That's pretty uh, impressive there. Yeah, I, I, not really. I mean, I, I I try to pick the questions I can answer that I think I could do the best job of answering. And then I think the one that everyone needs to read. And I I tried to if I can talk. If I try and do a really good job of um, highlighting Olympic sports. Corey Van Dyke last week wrote a oh, great yeah. article on Ja'Cory Patterson. He sure did. Destination Tokyo, question yeah. mark. What he has accomplished real quick, and I'll, I'll, we'll throw this in there before we go to break, because I think that I mean, it, it, it should be known amongst Virginia Tech fans what Ja'Cory Patterson's been able to do. Uh, it's just been incredible. He broke the <laughs> collegiate record in the 300 meters. He is the... 11th fastest human being in the history of the world in the 300 meters. So put that's that into incredible. Yeah. So that's a great read. Again, that's all the great content. Oh, man. And the analytics article for baseball that he did last week, was, yeah. I thought was great. And and it gives an idea of, of some of the resources some schools are dedicating to their athletics these days. Like Wake Forest has a Ph.D. professor running their pitching lab, Wake Forest Baseball. So, like, if Wake Forest baseball is throwing that kind of resources into the program, that what are some of these big football programs throwing into their football programs yeah. that we don't even know about? Great discussion. Right? I mean, yeah. just ridiculous the amount of money that's being spent. Again, eighty four ninety nine is the annual price. Eight forty nine is the monthly price. Twenty nine ninety nine is the student price. Great time to become part of the TSL family with all of we have going on with uh, the football and the transfer portal news and off season to basketball. It's a great time to join TSL. All right. We're going to take a time out here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. When we come back, we transition to the hardwood, and I'm going to ask Will and Chris, does the loss at Boston College on Saturday ruin Virginia Tech's chances of making the NCAA tournament? Don't go anywhere. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline podcast, recording on Monday, January 27th, episode 112 of the Tech Sideline podcast. Glad you're with us. Evan Hughes, Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Get ready to start dropping those questions on Facebook Live. Malcolm will get to those at the end of the show. All right, we transition now from football to men's basketball, where it was a up-and-down week for Hokies men's hoops uh, last week that started with a thriller. Uh, as Will said, uh, he predicted Virginia Tech for his for his well-being against North Carolina. He needed that <laughs> win, the emotional, emotional well-being, well-being, and he got it. It might have taken a little bit longer than he wanted, but yeah. double overtime win against North Carolina. Tyrese Radford, the tip-in at the end, and Virginia Tech found a way to win a game when they weren't playing their best through the entire game against North Carolina. But... Uh, it, 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 it's it's tough to talk about that because Saturday, 
Hokies go to Boston College, and they fall on the road 61-56. to Virginia Tech hit one three-pointer in the second half, and that was Jalen Cohn with less than a minute left to cut the deficit to 59-56. Chris, as I said before we went to break, I'm going to ask you straight up, does this loss hurt Virginia Tech's uh, NCAA tournament chances no, in a big way? Yeah, big way. Because there are a few opportunities for quality wins in the ACC this year. And so you want to avoid bad losses. So if you're only going to have two, maybe three quality wins on the season, you you don't want to fill up that the far right over there with bad losses. With red dots. With red dots, exactly. You want to be able to say, okay, we didn't beat that many great teams. We didn't lose to any bad ones either. But now here it is. Here's a bad loss. Uh, the first one of the year. Yeah, the, the first one of the year. Um, so it's a credit, I think, to the team and Mike Young that for a team that's – you know, a nine-man rotation, two-thirds of them are freshmen, that they've been able to last this long without a bad, quote-unquote, bad loss, right? Um, you know, it's still dis- it's disappointing because they-, they did lead the game by ten points at, at one point. Um, but, yeah, but I, they, were, they were looking really good at one point yeah, there in the first half. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they did. They got down 10 to 5 or something like that, 10 to 4. 10 to 5, ran off 14 straight 14 points. 14 straight points, and were just hammering BC. Yeah, and, and at one point they were and, up 22 right, to 12. And at that, yeah, and, and with Nolly and Radford not even starting. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I bet Mike Young had a bad weekend. Now, when you wake up on Saturday and some of your key players – miss the bus or are late to or the late bus, the bus yeah. to shoot around and that was because Nolly, they overslept that was nolly and rad that was nolly and rad and i believe, uh, so, I believe so, somebody told me aline yes. there were three of them that's what i forgot. Yeah, yeah yeah so three key players so wait, for you did aline start no no, no couture okay, started okay. uh yeah um so when you've got three key players like that it reminds me now you would remember this better than me well, I don't remember it at all because I was barely alive. NCAA tournament. NCAA tournament in the 1980s when yeah. when Tech had some key players like miss the team bus completely to the arena. Right. And so, Charlie didn't like Charlie that. Moyer just leave them at the hotel? It, it, they, I don't <laughs> think they even played the entire first half. Right. And, and I remember it thinking. NCAA tournament? Yeah. yeah. NCAA tournament. It's like, come on, Charlie. D- don't take a stand now. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. Guys to the just arena. run them really hard <laughs> in the offseason. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Good. Um, Again, sixty-one fifty-six, <laughs> the final from that game. I mean, yeah, I keep going back to we we did our basketball-only podcast in November, and of course, no nobody really saw this team doing what they've been doing right now, yeah. exceeding expectations, soaring high, even yeah. after a loss like this, Boston College. But I just can vividly remember the conversation that you, that you brought up, Chris, and that this is a freshman team who's going to make freshman mistakes at point in the, in yeah. points in the and season. That 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 whole day on Saturday, three freshmen not showing up to the bus on time because they overslept or whatever. That's your sign that they're not mentally dialed in that day, right? right? So I'm pretty sure Mike Young is pretty disgusted. Uh, I I didn't watch his post-game, but somebody – Oh, a minute 56 uh, on YouTube. It was very – I think it was a minute 56. Was he in there longer and they just cut out the – I don't think so. I think it was very – I don't know. I didn't didn't listen to it. And post-game, just three questions from Laser and Burnham. Yeah. um, So he was livid. Not just that they lost, but the reasons behind the loss. Right, um, right. Now, what what we know is our Virginia Tech's not as bad as they showed on Saturday. They're also probably not as good as that 5-3 and three ACC record that they had going into Saturday. Yeah. I mean, now, now let's be honest about some things here. When Virginia Tech beat NC State, the Wolfpack were without their leading scorer and rebounder, a guy who averages almost a double And they shot poorly. That That's extremely important. 
when Virginia Tech beat Syracuse on the road, Syracuse has an eight-man rotation. They had two guys hurt, so they only played six guys against Virginia Tech that night. And Dolzhai fouled out, I believe. Probably, I think so. And then he did. And yeah. then they, when they came back to Blacksburg, they had their two players back. They had their full rotation. When Virginia Tech played UNC, not only was the Tar Heels without Cole Anthony, uh, Brandon Robinson missed that game too. He came back this past weekend and had 29 points against Miami. They score over 90. Uh, yeah, 91. 91. Uh, unreal. Uh, so, Miami out. So Virginia Tech, throughout their long history of basketball, it's always been Virginia Tech who's been on the unlucky end when it comes to injuries. Yeah. This year they've been extremely fortunate, not only with staying healthy themselves, but with the timing of opposing teams' injuries. That's right. Like missing games against Virginia Tech. Um. So this is a team that should not have been five and three with, with every, if everybody else had had its full complement of players. And, and there have been there have been games where the opponent just frankly has shot poorly. Right. You know, uh, Syracuse didn't shoot well up in the up in the dome. Uh, NC State uh, didn't shoot well. And, NC and, State and didn't shoot well. When you, and you go through a twenty game schedule, there's going to be games you lose because you don't shoot well. And there's going to be games you win because the opponents don't shoot well. That will even out for everybody yeah, yeah. by the end of that 20 games. We so, hope. so, but but we'll know exactly who we are by yeah. the end of that 20 game schedule. But we're not the five and three basketball team that they looked like that they were heading into Boston College. But at the same time, they aren't as bad as they showed yeah. on Saturday. Now, but what we do know is they have very little margin for error. If they don't show up focused, ready to play, they can lose to a really bad team. Virginia Tech 14-6, and 5-4 and four in ACC. Before we get to questions, Will, at Miami, as we record today on Monday morning tomorrow, that's January 28th, and Coral Gables. On Saturday, they host one of the tallest teams in the ACC, number mm-hmm. 5 and 6, Florida State. But then next week, Georgia Tech, Boston College, Pitt. So, again, the next five games, Miami, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Boston College, and Pittsburgh. Any chance the Hokies could get on a roll here and salvage any hopes of an NCAA oh, they, tournament? Oh, they could win four of the next five games. It's it's possible. They could also lose four of the next five games, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how yeah. do you see t- tomorrow? Do you think the Hokies bounce back tomorrow against I, Miami? I don't know too much about them. I haven't written the preview yet. Uh, Miami. Miami's pretty bad. And they're, and they're, they're for the third year in a row, they only have about eight guys available. Right. They're bad, but. They're like Miami football. They've got enough athletes where they can go out there. If you don't play your game and, and they have a really good night, they can hammer you, right? And so Virginia Tech was in Chestnut Hill. Then I believe due to NCAA rules, they had to come home. So mm-hmm. they're home. Then they're flying to Miami. Yeah. You know, this is a tough stretch of being on the right. road. The two so, furthest destinations. The two the furthest AC. destinations in the ACC. So you play at Boston Tuesday afternoon. The game ends about 4 o'clock. You probably get to the airport at like six or something like that. Fly back to Blacksburg. Um, you 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 have to travel to Miami today on Sunday, or excuse me, on Monday. Right. So how much practice time do you give them on Sunday, or do you, th- or do you give them a day to recharge their batteries, so to speak? Right. Uh, that that was that was the areas where Buzz was always a genius. Like he knew exactly when to turn it up a notch and when to dial it back in practice. Right. You know, he always talked about. The emotional, the tank. emotional the tank, tanks. and uh, yeah, the three emotional, physical, and mental, or something like that. Something like yeah, that. Uh, he was a genius at managing that, and so th- this is one of those areas where yeah, that has to be managed, and you know, w- without being in there with the team, like if they actually overslept on Saturday, they, they ought to be fresh now, right? You know, so yeah. I, so I don't know if Mike Young decided to do an extra harder practice on. 
Guess Sunday so. or dial it back a bit or just go completely normal. I really so, don't so know. So it gets into this, and we had this debate on the message board about uh, um, do you let those three young men, you know, stand on their own and learn a lesson? Or my um, my stance was, hey, this is a coaching staff that's collectively getting paid about $3.5 million. And you see all the suits sitting in all mm-hmm. the chairs on the sidelines. I think you can appoint one guy to make sure everybody's well, yeah, Right. right. I mean, bus. these days, basketball staffs, I mean, there are more coaches on the bench than players. Right. for most teams and so, so I, I just, why is there not a ga who 30 minutes before you're supposed to be at the bus isn't knocking on every single door i i and, get that you're trying to mold young men and you need to let them do things on their own um we're talking about winning and losing basketball games and possibly going or not going to the ncaa tournament i think we can do a little hand holding here right especially since we're getting paid three and a half million dollars right. a year right all right hand holding that's how we're going to close this uh well, hardwood uh Two million in Mike Young's case. But, well, yeah. collectively. Collectively, yeah. With all those guys, there's got to be another million and a <laughs> yeah, half probably dollars so. there. And the Hokies are 14 and 6, 5 and 4 at Miami on Tuesday, Florida State at home, and Castle on Saturday. Those are the two games this week. Okay. Now, without further ado, it's time to turn it over to our Facebook Live portion of the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 112, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Uh, Malcolm will uh, get ready to drop some questions. I'm, I'm going to start with one, though, because I have a feeling one might go this way, and I right. wanted to bring it up during football. So, ESPN, a long time ago, announced that they were going to do a 30 for 30 on Michael Vick. Right. On Thursday, part one of Vick, as they're calling it, airs on ESPN. How intrigued are you guys to watch the documentary? Will you watch it live? Yeah, I didn't know it was coming out this quick, but yeah, I'll, I'll carve out some time for sure. I didn't know it was going to be two parts either. I have a pre-screening login so I can check it out before it comes out Thursday. Ooh. So I will do my best to get it watched. I can't remember if I get to see both parts or just the first one, but I'll do my I'll do my best to get it watched and uh, have a podcast review next time. Oh, we right? could give give you an idea of what to expect. Going I'm, I'm curious to see how much of it, like that first episode, is it just football related is it is it him growing up is it tech i'm curious like who is going to be interviewed from virginia tech i predict you'll see a lot of tommy reeman in there first see a lot episode. of tommy reman i don't know it'll be interesting to see if they interviewed jim cavanaugh because we know. interviewed jim cavanaugh about the vic recruitment he was vic's lead recruiter for virginia yeah, tech yeah uh, and he used to talk about how he knew exactly where to find michael he could go to the boys and girls club in newport news yeah and and he just understood that area and where Michael hung out and who he was around. And and it's such a shame that guys like that don't hang out at the Boys and Girls Club anymore, you know, as far as r- recruits go. Yeah. Um, like, they're out with their 757 coach now. And so the Jim Cavanaugh's of the world, I don't might not be as effective today, but uh, it's tough, man. Yeah, Yeah. it's 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 much different. I think a podcast review would be would be interesting. What is we we got an empty seat on the couch there that we need to put Jim Cavanaugh on that thing one day. (laughs) We do. I was thinking about that the other day. All right, with that, now I'll turn it over to uh, Malcolm for questions. All right, Uh, my webcam won't show up, so I'm not on the couch today. Okay, unfortunately, we miss you. Yeah. But we'll start with Damian Brink. Are the Hokies getting more from the transfer transfer portal than they are losing talent-wise? Hmm. Well, they're only getting two guys. <laughs> and that's Raheem uh, Blackshear and okay, Khalil Herbert. I think we'll see. Uh, I, I, I am of the belief that Tech needs an upgrade at running back, and I, I do think Herbert is going to help them a lot there. Um, they definitely needed help in the slot. And I know Blackshear is listed as a running back, but 
I'm pretty sure he's going to play in the slot for Virginia Tech. Right. Um, they might actually get more production this year than they lost for for, for, uh, for this particular year. Um, losing Hazleton stinks in the red zone. Um, but as far as everybody else, would Grimsley catch like 10 passes this year? Yeah, but it's not uh, just offensive production. It's 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 Ladler, and, and uh, could he have played and made plays for you this year? And I don't see anybody coming in from the portal. Yeah, I don't know who's going to back up at Whip. Yeah. Um, of course, you aren't going to get anybody from the portal to back up anybody. No, nobody's going to transfer to be a backup somewhere else. Is, they're transferring because they're backups. At, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I think it might actually be close this year. From a numbers of player standpoint, no, it's not going to be close. Um, mm. You know, I read an article last week. I mean, the Tech had to lose some of those guys just to get below 85 scholarships. True. Um, because they've had so few seniors on the team the last two years. Um, so, th- th- there's a chance. Like, let, let's say let's say for the sake of argument that Cooler Herbert comes in and is Justin Fuente's first 1,000-yard rusher. Will we look back and say – Oh, Virginia Tech broke even or even was ahead when it come to the transport portal this year. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah. Good question. <clears throat> All right. Uh, Anthony Price, who can play wide receiver this year? <laughs> uh, yeah, that it's amazing. At this time last year, we thought wide receiver depth was going to be a great strength. And I, I remember going up to the Notre Dame game and just watching basically Tech's two starting outside receivers play every single snap of that game. And I'm just like – and I was really struck by the fact is like we got bodies at wide receiver, but we have no depth. Yeah. Um, and now it's with Hazleton gone and Phil Patterson gone, um, there's even less now. So you got Turner on the outside. You got Turner on the outside. outside with him. <laughs> right now, James Mitchell. Wow. Right? Um, well, hopefully Daryl Simmons will step up. Right, right. So it's got to be Daryl Simmons. It's got to be uh, Elijah Bowick. It's It's got to be Jaden Payute. Uh, right. Who, so, so, so there are guys there. They're just unproven. They're just unproven. For all we know, Jaden Payute might be might have a breakout year. He might turn out to be a great player, but there's no evidence to support that. Well, right in all now. my coaching wisdom, I have, I have a piece of advice for the Virginia Tech coaching staff. Teach Jaden Payout how to how to get off the line of scrimmage, fight off coverage, and then just do like the fat kid when you were young. You go long, right? May just send that kid downfield at top speed and try to get it out there to him. Yeah, the thing is, that, what bothers me about that is that's not really that's not that's not Hooker's uh, game. Yeah, uh, that's so it's not a great fit from from that standpoint. But at the same time, I, I think he brings an element to the wide receiver position that hasn't been there in a while for Tech, as in pure speed. Sheer, sheer speed, So, yeah. so and I, They did play him this year in two games as a true freshman. was still able to preserve his redshirt because of the four-game rule. So that shows me that he's a little bit ahead of the other young guys, I think, yeah. and they're very high on his future. And he's got a good head on his shoulders, too. Uh, he's a guy who, you know, was a quarterback in high school. Virginia Tech found him at a satellite camp. You know, there was only film on him as a quarterback, not really as a receiver. But he went to camp and just blew it up as a receiver. And, you know, he ended up adding offers from, from teams like like Penn State and Ohio State. Um, you know, once it got out there that he was such a, such a good athlete. Yeah. Um, but he stuck with his commitment to Tech. Hopefully it pays off. Uh, I, th- I think he's got a good chance to, to play a lot this year. He might have to play a lot by default. 
Um, and of course, there's always the chance that Tech brings in a grad transfer outside receiver. Uh, yeah. They're looking at that kid from Marshall. Yeah. I, for, I forget his name. Ob. Odebale or something, something, something like that. that. And, I, and I, have, I have a little information on him. Apparently, he's just a he's just a great kid. I know somebody who knows him, mm-hmm. and this person texted me and said he is a great kid. Started out as a walk on at Oklahoma State. Well, and yeah. Khalil Herbert's also just getting rave reviews as just an outstanding yeah, yeah, guy yeah, yeah. That, that Kansas really hates yeah. to lose. Yeah. Never mind the talent part of it. He's he's a great kid, good leader. And right. I'll throw out there a receiver as well. Talking about you know who started for Hazleton was hurt beginning. It was Caleb Smith who had a breakout game against Boston College and didn't see as much playing time yeah. down the stretch Correct. but I, th- yeah, I, th- I really do believe that Caleb Smith could be a, a very productive player at Tech yeah you know once Hazelton came back he kind of got lost in, in the shuffle but yeah he's another guy I mean like I said Tech needs a couple of those outside receivers to to step up yep. yeah thank you <clears throat> all right uh last one for me Joseph Warren asks at quarterback what do you see happening with our number three after the spring or fall yeah that, that that's a good question um I think it's a big spring for all three quarterbacks. Obviously, if you're Braxton Burmeister, you've started a little bit at Oregon. You've transferred to Virginia Tech. You're a redshirt junior the same year as Hendon Hooker. You don't beat him out this year, you're probably never going to start. Yeah. Um, because he, Hooker's just going to get more and more experienced, right? More and more game time. Um, so this is a huge year for Braxton Burmeister as far as his future. Uh of can he be a starting quarterback at the college level or not um it's also a huge spring for hooker for that reason like he's gonna like he's got somebody trying to breathe down his neck yeah. um and then for as far as quincy patterson goes if he doesn't quincy got a lot of reps this past year because he was the number two quarterback after willis got demoted um so he quincy got a lot of reps in practice if he gets beaten out for the number two spot by Burmeister, or, or well, let's just if Quincy's number three, right? When the season starts and you start preparing for the upcoming opponent, your your reps just go way down as, as a third string quarterback because the chances, and I know it happened against UNC, but the chances of you needing a third string quarterback are just so slim. You're limited by the NCAA by the amount of. If you are that third string guy, you don't want to bank your future on maybe something unusual will happen and I'll right. actually have to play. Right, right. Uh, um, you're not going to make that decision. So if Quincy feels like he's third string out of out of spring practice, then and if he wants to play quarterback in the future, yeah, he probably needs to go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Let me ask you guys this question. I think it's a, a great way to close on that topic. Is there a chance that Braxton Burmeister wins the starting quarterback job? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. And, But at the same time, and we said this before last season, I don't think the Virginia Tech coaching staff wants a new starting quarterback for the fifth, for the fifth, fifth year, year in a row. row. They didn't want to do it this past year. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'm sure they stuck with Willis so long. And let's face it, I mean, Willis, Willis played pretty well on the whole for Tech is, is a junior. Like yes. 24 touchdowns, nine picks. I mean, he was I, 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 was, I, was, I was writing articles doing numerical projections saying, oh, there's an outside shot. He breaks Virginia Tech's passing touchdown record yeah. th- this year. You know, Instead, he got worse. I mean, I don't know how – you can't really see that coming. Um, but they were hesitant to pull that – to pull the plug on him because you don't want to start all over again for the fourth year in a row with a different quarterback. And 
All right, so you don't want to do that this year. So that means Braxton Burmeister, he has to significantly outplay Hendon Hooker in practice. All right, they, they have information on now on what Hendon Hooker will do in a football game. Right, not to mention that uh, you know, without being in a locker room every day, I think I think Hendon's one of your better leaders on that team. I think the team rallied around. Yes, him. you know, he, right. he had tangible and intangible correct uh, uh, positive effects on this team. Will, will it be the same with Burmeister? You know, I don't. Yeah, know. so you can't. You would need to see a lot of evidence in practice that Burmeister is a significant upgrade sure. to make that move. Yep, that and way. I just and I don't. I don't see it. But that's being said, I've never watched him play before. Yeah, yeah. spring game's going to be interesting for sure because nobody's seen him play at Tech. Uh, everybody every year says the spring game's going to be interesting, and the spring game is rarely ever interesting mm-hmm. once it starts getting played. It, <laughs> but, you know, that but, is true. I had, I had high hopes last year. I was thinking, like, oh, we're going to see Quincy and, you know, see what it's all about. The only thing that was really awesome about the spring game that stood out was James Mitchell. <laughs> he, yeah, he made yeah. a name for himself sure in the did. spring game this yeah. past year. So, uh, all right. Well, listen, we're about an hour and twenty minutes in. I think that's a great nice. way to close the podcast. Yeah, but I mean, great conversation today regarding. I mean, again, look, look at all this stuff that we'll put together today. Great stuff. I'm looking forward to reading your article about it uh, too, Will, as well. Um, just on the transfer portal and the numbers as a whole. Talked about the players that are leaving for Tech, uh, men's basketball, the Vic documentary, your questions. Really uh, great episode. And we'll be back on Wednesday with a special edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. We're uh, pleased to have Virginia Tech wrestling coach Tony Roby join us on Wednesday. Hopefully he will not still be angry. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think there were two Virginia Tech coaches this past weekend who – we're not exactly. We're disappointed yeah. in their in their yeah. athletes. But you know what? And actually, I, I had this written down, and I, I looked over, and I, you know, I do want to close this. Actually, women's basketball, their best start in ACC history. They're five and three right now. They are. Uh, they're just. They're looking really, really good. I went and went to the first half yesterday. They had a great turnout against Clemson, and uh, just in terms of fan support in the stands. And I tell you what, I think I think Kenny Brooks is building something special with this year's team. I really do believe that. So. Well, I hope so because they've they've hit the wall in the ACC play over and over and over, but yep. apparently not this year. Yeah, I, I mean, a one overtime loss to Duke, and they're yeah, they're was, six and two. It was this point last year where they were. Losing all those games late, that they got off to big leads and yeah. then they yeah. were losing yeah. them late They're up by twenty. And, against and they, they they finally shook out of that and were a good team the second half of the ACC schedule. But they have done yeah. so much yeah. damage to themselves early that they, they were zero and seven it. and finished six and ten. Right. Yeah. Right. So I tell you what, too, I mean, they've, I mean, this uh, this freshman center Elizabeth Kitley, top fifty player coming this year. I mean, real deal inside. Taja Colesman, an excellent grad transfer. I don't know if you guys saw the three that Darren Mabry made against UVA from the logo uh, that put I the. I mean, the Asia Shepherd. I mean, the, the, this team's got some some pieces. So keep keep an eye on women's basketball. We'll, we'll keep it posted. Again, uh, looking. For, we'll put more information out about the podcast with uh, wrestling coach Tony Roby on Wednesday. Looking forward to having him. But until then, that's going to do it. Any uh, parting thoughts before we sign off? None whatsoever. Let's get to work. All right. Make sure to follow us on social media. We're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Tech Sideline. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. We always appreciate that. And I uh, hope you can join us again for the next edition of the Tech Sideline podcast. That'll do it for our normal crew today. For Malcolm Stewart, the best producer in the land behind the scenes on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching. This has been the Tech Sideline podcast presented by the official law firm.